You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. All right. Welcome to what I believe is episode three of JRE for Genevieve. My name is Luke Nolan, and this show is about a father who realizes he doesn't know much of anything, trying to lay down some conversations, um, hoping that he can provide some insight to his daughter, who's only five right now, and um, I realize she doesn't really know much about anything, (laughs) and just hoping to give her some kind of uh, foundation for moving forward. Um, I have a very exclusive guest with me today. Mr. Mike Nolan, also my father, also Genevieve, Genevieve's grandfather. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure. Uh, just a couple um, housekeeping notes real quick. Uh, Genevieve, I didn't mention last show, but um, love you, buddy. So I'll have to start saying that at the beginning of the shows. Also, listen to the first couple shows and um, – they were pretty rough, so I hope the next couple are a little easier to listen to. Um, but yeah, so hopefully, um, if and when you listen to this, it provides some useful insight. And uh, here we go. Go. So, Mr. Michael Nolan, um, so you have more experience than probably most people listening to this show. Um, I'm one of 10. Ragamuffins that you guys raised, True. Uh, number eight of ten, and I think that gives you a, a unique perspective because um, I don't know. I mean, if people have one, two, three kids, I think they have a certain perspective. But uh, when you have ten, I think that gives you. I mean, you've seen so many variations. I think it, it gives you ten a, to be exact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably on the whole spectrum or a whole bunch of different spectrums. Um, But I I think just that experience gives you a lot of um, expertise where a lot of people think they know what the right way is because it's worked for their kids or – but I mean we're all working with a super small sample size. Mm -hmm. But um, yours is – Larger than Three or four (laughs) times bigger than most, which I think is significant. Um, but I mentioned last week, maybe the week before that, um, I think it would be cool to have something like this and kind of one of the reasons I kind of want to have it out there for Genevieve because, uh, this podcast format, I I listen to it so much in the car going to and from work, wherever it may be. It's so accessible and I think it would be cool to have that, um, from you. It would have been really cool to have that, um, from mom and be able to put that on. Yeah. It would have uh, been really cool to have it from my mom and dad. <laughs> it, exactly. And, um, and it's cool when parents like write stuff down and, the, and there's ways of um, catching that and recording it. But I don't know. There, there's something about this form I think that's so easily accessible. I mean you write a book or note to your kids and it, it probably stays – you know, on the bookshelf, maybe <laughs> more so than this might. Um, but not only you have ten kids. How many grandkids do you have? Uh, Fifty-five with two on the way. Wow! So that's awesome. So that's, that's counting Karen, which 
her, her children. Awesome. So Karen is your wife. Right. And uh, so as the, what would be patriarch and matriarch of that many kids and grandkids, um, I don't know, I think there's a lot of knowledge there to there to share. And I, I think you'll notice um, this hour probably go by pretty quick. We'll hit a couple topics. Um, but if that's something that seems like it makes sense or we'll have to schedule another session. <laughs> well, I'll just, make, uh, I'll just make one comment, and that's yeah. that, that when Hope, your older oldest sister, was born, um, we, we were new parents and, and uh, going through all those uh, learning curves that everybody else goes through. But um, she was really an easy child. <laughs> Which we, is why you had nine more. <laughs> and we thought, <laughs> it was like, this is we, easy. <laughs> we thought, this, was, this is really easy. Uh-huh. And we kept thinking we'd get another one like her, but, <laughs> but we never did. <laughs> <laughs> After nine more, you're like, eh, we're going to cut our losses. <laughs> the, uh, the thing we learned from that is that you know, when children come into the world, they, they aren't blank slates. They come in with personalities and traits. And uh, from my standpoint, I believe we existed before we came here. So there's, we all come in with baggage, uh, some good and, and some bad. Yeah. I think the only people that, that uh, I remember in school being taught that, you know, we all start as a blank slate or as tabla rosa. And um, that, I don't think, is true, number one. And I think the only people that believe that are people that have only had one child. <laughs> they only have. <laughs> as soon as you have the second one, you realize they're different. Yeah. yeah. And and you hear that from all types of different parents. And that's interesting. I've never really thought about that. But that's very similar to, um, you know, Genevieve's five turning six. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's super great kid. So in that way, we can relate. Although by the time Hope was five or six, she had a couple others yeah, <laughs> right behind <that's> true. her. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I definitely want to go back and hit on that because I think you'll hear that from just about any parent with more than one, it seems like, yeah. that um, from a very young age, exhibiting different characteristics. Very much so. And that they're not j- some are male and female, but some of them right. are pure personality, too. Well, and not only that, but th- those ones that uh, want to go with that the tabula rasa uh, yeah. theory of philosophy, that blank slate thing, um, you know, you have these huge – I remember taking just one or two sociology um, classes. classes in college and there there was a whole book on, on birth order, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure that has a effect, maybe a drastic effect. But yes, um, you're a victim of the middle child syndrome. <laughs> yeah, well, but but then that's interesting too because I mean, if you're not the first kid, you've kind of been everything: the yeah. the youngest child, the middle child, the oldest child. At some point in time, yeah. at least in our well, I have. Um, but I think that birth order thing is very interesting. It is. Um, you know, if and you have two sisters, I do, and your number. I I suffer from the same syndrome. <laughs> I'm middle, a middle child. child. <laughs> yeah. So if everything in your life was the same, except you were the youngest, or except you were the oldest, um, and it's hard to do to go back and try to, um, you know, play that out. But I mean, even so, you could see how it would be somewhat different. 
Well, and, and the other thing is keep in mind there are always exceptions to any of those rules. Right, yeah. right. Well, and also almost everybody's the exception in some way. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big part too as you try to come up with these broad stroke, you know, ideas. And um, I think for for a lot of it, you know, a good idea is a good idea. Mm-hmm. But for every kid, it feels like it has to be tweaked based on the situation or the kid or um, the timing or whatever it may be. Um, Definitely true. Yeah. So um, I, I do want to get into that a little bit more. Um, but to go back to your thought that, you know, we have this personality once we're born. Uh, that's interesting. So, I mean, in – we grew up, you know, very religious. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you're coming from that standpoint, right? I am. Um, but I've seen it verified in in real life as well. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm saying. But I mean, not only that, but even from even from not coming from the religious point of view, I mean, everyone's coming with a different, you know, DNA imprint and all yeah. of that. And um, I think about that a lot. Just just the nine months you spend. You know, and world. your mom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how how much of a difference does that make? Yeah. You know, if if the mom's stressed out for one of those months, or you know, you happen to be in Spain and your nutrition is different, or eating different stuff, how does that affect you and your at, growth? Or if or, you're on drugs and alcohol and all those other things, that it, affect for sure. Growth. That sure. would definitely be uh, the extreme. Uh, but even that, then you find exceptions. Yeah. It's. Uh, so when you're trying to make sense of the world, <laughs> it can be difficult because you want everything to make sense. Um, and within that, you have exceptions in everything. Um, so so what can what functional advice can we can we take from that that everybody's different, that um, you know different parenting styles work differently for different kids? Um, I talked about this a little bit in previous weeks, but just this understanding that all of us are are very ignorant. <laughs> I mean, I think we like to think we have it figured out, but I, I think if we just all came from a point where we don't, um, we'd be able to empathize and maybe compromise and have better conversations with each other instead of arguing with each other. I don't know. That was kind of a tangent. Well, I think there there are some basic truths, though, that, that apply. Yeah. Some of them are derived from common sense. Mm-hmm. Some of them are de- derived from the social contract that we enter into and as right. human beings. And some are, are derived from religious faith. Yeah. Regardless of what one. And I think there's a lot of common ground between the religious faith. Mm-hmm. I think there are obviously some differences, but there's an awful lot of common ground. So whether you're brought up in a religious home or in a, a non-religious home, for lack of a better word, uh, I think there's a, there are some common things that uh, are good yeah. and, and practical and work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what life is about. We we 
spend a lifetime seeking out the truth if we're interested. I don't think everybody's interested in that. I think they're right. Uh, Why do you think we're seeking out the truth? What was that? Was the end to that? Because we think it'll make us happier. Because it'll give us more control. What What do you think is the motivation behind that? I think people would agree that there's a natural draw to that. But well, I think you know the truth doesn't always make us happy. I no. mean, <laughs> in, in the world out there, it doesn't make us happy, but it allows us to align with something that's that's real. Uh, it allows us, if not to be happy, at least to be uh, feel like we're on the right track and doing the right things, even though if, even if there's a penalty in, involved in doing it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a, a peace of mind that can come with it that that you can't have otherwise. And I think peace of mind is huge, like a, a feeling of contentment. Um, I think I think something that's not talked about a lot is like a sense of angst that a lot of people mm-hmm. have, and they can't define it. Um, or if they can define it, they're they're not able to um, to remedy it. Maybe. Um, so you're think you're saying religion is is something that's going to give you a, a purpose and a, a purpose a foundation. And, a, and a a sense of peace if you're following yeah. that that faith. Uh, and I think it's long term. Mm-hmm. I think fun and uh, those kind of things are are very short term. Yeah, but true peace, I think, is, is a long term factor that that comes by being your behavior being in line what you think is is what's right or what's best right and and we've you know we'll go out to lunch every once in a while we've had these conversations before um i mean and they'll have those i don't know if this is the right word but those um eastern philosophies maybe that you know have a lot of the same Mm -hmm. foundational ideas Mm -hmm. um that, hey, yeah, that obviously works. Be nice to people and you're going to be more content. You're going to be happy. You're going to, you know, feel like you're doing the right thing. You know, simple stuff like that. Um, so as far as the religion aspect, you think that's adding kind of a before and after to? Well, I th- yeah, I, th- I think it, it puts it in perspective of what it, what it really is. Yeah. Um, you know, if they're... Uh, if there is no, for lack of a better way of expressing it, if there is no God, if there's no purpose in life, if we are born and die and that's it, right? then life's pretty simple in the sense that uh, I guess you'd say it's the existential view of life. The only meaning in life is what you make of it. And right. depending on your circumstances, uh, you can make it a multitude of different things. Sure. But they all end up in the same place. So, uh, I mean, you die and you die and that that's it and uh, the world presses on but you're gone. <laughs> right. But those, I mean, I think what religion, religion teaches us and gives us is a hope that there's there's more to, to life. Uh, like I said, I believe we existed before. I believe we are here to learn and to grow 
and in a way sort of be tested. Mm-hmm. And then we go on and progression goes uh, after death much in the same way it goes here, but it's at a different stage and and continues. Right. That's a religious belief. Can I prove it uh, in a courtroom? Uh, or in a podcast studio. Or in a podcast <laughs> video? Probably not uh, to the satisfaction of a non-believer. Right. But those that have experienced those... Um, experiences that come, you know, through faith and acting on that faith, um, those become just as real as the other. In fact, more real, I think, and bring a peace, which most people would like to have. Right. Can you say that again? I think that missed that last part. Well, I I think that um, when you say the last part, I'm not exactly sure where to go back to, but I I think that the um, putting it in perspective of life after death, if there's such a thing, then we ought to be seeking for those things that are um, are in sync with that. In other words, that whatever we feel is after this lifetime are... Are we going to get there the way we want to be, or right. are we going to um, be there the way, if you're religious, the way the Lord wants us to be, or God wants us to be, or however you want to, however you want to express that? But I, again, I, I can't. I personally, I can't identify with the existential viewpoint. I understand it mm-hmm. if you believe that there's no meaning in life, that you're born and you die and that's it, then uh, that's a pretty short-term look at things. Right. But if you put it in perspective that there is more than that, then that's where the real search begins. Yeah. And, you know, what is what is the truth out there and how do we find it? And what's the, what's the criteria for truth? Uh, is it... Strictly experience is it common sense? Is it something to be defended in a court of law, or I think there, are, you know, two types of truth. There's the physical world, mm-hmm. which we can pretty much prove in a laboratory and so on. But we're still learning stuff every day. Well, we're still, no, I, <laughs> we're, I we're still. I don't mean we know in the infant stage of that. Even. But and yeah. and that's true. It's just like you know, we the law of gravity is. Works pretty well here on Earth. Doesn't work, you know, right. other places quite as well. Um, but I think spiritual truths come a different way, mm-hmm. and that's that we we look around us, we study, we we look at various experiences, and and we say, uh, let's let's just take a given faith. Uh, you know, you were raised, and I wasn't raised, but I was a convert to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And there's a set of teachings that come with that. Right. And the way you know whether those things are true are not sitting down and reading a book about them or even listening to a podcast for that, for that matter. Mm-hmm. It's 
living them. Yeah. Okay, so that's where that verification comes from. It doesn't come in a laboratory, although you could look at it living a... a Your license experiment. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, a living a gospel principle, say, that, and it works uh, for me, right. then that's kind of a laboratory in a sense, but it's not going to hold up in a court of law. <laughs> and so I think that's the difference. We have the the physical or secular truths in life, and we have the, the spiritual. Yeah. Some don't even acknowledge the spiritual, but a lot of people do, and I do. Yeah. And I think of those things that, that I've honestly tried, uh, I've gained an understanding of them, a testimony of them, that they're just as true as the sun coming up in the morning. Let me ask you this. Do you feel, I mean, like, it feels like everything's on a spectrum. Um, you know, you have people who are more or less athletic, mm-hmm. uh, better or worse vision. You know, just just about any trait you can think of is kind of on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think spirituality can be that way, if that's the right word? Uh, like, so, like some people are more um, – have more of a sense to feel – that more, some spirit. people are more sensitive to it than yeah. others. You know, just like, I, I mean, but again, see, I think we come in uh, with a set of baggage, for lack of a better term. Right. And not everybody comes in the same. They don't, we don't, don't come in with the same athletic ability, right. singing ability, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that's probably true yeah. for spiritual sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can develop it. I think it's there to be developed, just like your physical right. uh, attributes can be developed. Um, why are some more spiritually oriented than others? Um, sometimes by experience, sometimes by the baggage that you come in with, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I think we all have the opportunity to... Um, recognize truth if that's what we're really after. Right. But I think the natural man uh, is pretty selfish. Definitely. And and doesn't (laughs) want to get past that. Yeah. For the most part. And that's that's where the problem comes in. Being selfish. Being thinking of self more than anything else. Yeah. And and putting myself in this situation Mm – Unfortunately, I don't. I don't think I have a real high sensitivity to that. Um, I mean, I feel like intention-wise, I do want to know the truth, and I, I want. <laughs> I'd like that to be relayed to me. Um, I admit one hundred percent that you know I'm selfish. I, I I feel like most people I run across are. Yeah, it's a natural man. But I also feel like when I'm um, doing things that do not appear selfish are still for selfish reasons. It's because I want to. I want to feel good yeah, about right, right. doing the good thing. Yeah. I mean, is selfishness necessarily a bad thing? Or if it is, is it something you can truly get away from? Do you feel? Well, it depends on how you define selfish. Yeah, definitely. And uh, <clears throat> self-centered, selfish, having your way. Uh, especially at the expense of other people, 
Right. And that's that's wrong. Well, I think that goes back to we talked about this. I think I don't know, one of the past weeks the whole human contract thing. Yeah. Is I mean we were we can't really. Um, you know, because we're born, we can't even fend for ourselves for the first 15, 20 years of our life. We're kind of stuck in a social paradigm. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we grow up in a family and a community and a society that we can't um, get out of. I mean, technically, you go live in the woods once you're old enough. Although, I mean, who has the capacity and the know-how to do that anymore even if you do want to leave society but but regardless and we talked about this a lot is people are such a big part of everything you do from your family to community to your work i don't care what your job is you're either dealing with coworkers or customers or bosses or whatever it may be and that's a huge part of who you are and and how you feel and how happy you are is how those relationships are going i feel um so it makes logical sense just, hey, if I'm in this site and I'm working with these people, it makes 100% sense to when I'm making a decision to consider, you know, those people and those relationships because uh, they, they do affect me so much. I'm not a islander, however you want to phrase it. Um, but again, I feel that's maybe selfish isn't the right word. But I'm doing that considering how I'm going to feel, <laughs> taking their feelings into well, consideration. Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of the, the person that you want to be. Right. And um, and then you, you, you come back. I mean, is there a truth out there? And, right. And is there a, a religion out there mm-hmm. that, that's true? Yeah. Granted, there's a lot of common ground between the different religions. Right. But – if if there is something beyond this earth life, mm-hmm. it seems like that ought to be the primary search that we have in this life. Otherwise, right. we just spend our 75 years here on life or whatever we're given, and what do we really accomplish? If there really is a right and wrong, if there really is a God, and if he really does have a plan uh, for each of us as a human being, I think the greatest search uh, or the number one responsibility that we have is to find out what that is. Right. And the amount of time that we spend doing that is <laughs> relatively small. Yeah. When, when you stop and think, most people, uh, we work, we have social obligations, we have family obligations, we have work obligations and so on. And uh, Life gets busy real quick. Well, and, and there's so many distractions in the world yeah. today that pull us away from anything that's really serious. Right. And um, I think, I mean, for me, I think I've found um, – the greatest truth that my experience has allowed me to, f- to find. Um, and I think I've expressed this to you before. That I remember when we were taking the missionary lessons for the church. I mean, I grew up a Protestant, um, went to church 
almost every Sunday, had parents that, uh, and basically that was our religion. We'd go to church on Sunday for an hour, and and then the rest of the week we pretty much did what, what we wanted to. And I, I'm not making light of that. No, it's uh, how it was. There, there were correct principles that were taught there. Right. And generally they, I always felt that they were good. Mm-hmm. Um, when we learned about the LDS church, we learned that, hey, maybe there's more to it than just going to church on Sunday and putting $5 in, in the till. Right. And so that was a major step in my life. Both your mother and I, she was raised she was raised Lutheran. I was raised Presbyterian. We joined the Lutheran Church when we got married because we wanted to, to go to church together. All I had to do was sign a piece of paper, and that, that took care of it. So it felt like before, like, church was an activity as opposed to, like, an integral part of your A way of life. life. Okay, yeah. Okay. And it didn't take us very long to, as we were investigating the church to learn that, hey, this is a way of life. <laughs> they aren't yeah. asking for an hour on Sunday. They're asking for— yeah. 24 hours a day. Right. Uh, but that made sense to me if, if there really is a God and there's really a purpose in life, you know, what is it and so on. So that, that became a meaningful search for both of us. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit reluctant at that point in time to accept it because I had had several other, quote, spiritual experiences in mm-hmm. high school and so on. And I, but I was smart enough to realize mm-hmm. that, hey, they're talking about more than Sunday here. Right. They're talking about a way to to live your life and and to grow spiritually. And I was a little bit reluctant to accept it. I was busy. I was finishing up pilot training. Sure. Your mother was learning how to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And we were both very busy. And this didn't seem like a good time. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, I I was trying to learn how to fly formation. Uh, and that was taking most of my time. Right. And, uh, but ironically, one of the instructor pilots came mm-hmm. by and who happened to be a member of the church mm-hmm. and shared his testimony. And I suppose that helped a little bit. But the thing that helped me most was the missionaries that came, and I was only a couple years older than they were at sure. the time, that uh, they said, ask me if um, how I felt about the teachings of the church, spe- specifically the Book of Mormon, how I felt about Joseph Smith. And I, you know, I don't have any problem with it, but I can't say I know absolutely sure that, you know, they're the truth. Your mm-hmm. mother had probably a stronger testimony than than I did at that point in time, um, but the wisdom of that twenty year old at, at the time said, "You know, if you really feel that it's right, you ought to join the church, and then you have the power of the Holy Ghost to help you discern as you go through life. And if you ever find a greater truth, then uh, you have an obligation to go to it." Right. Okay. Well, that was 54 years ago, and I haven't found a greater truth. In fact, in fact, each year, each experience, each child, each experience I've had in the church has brought a deeper understanding of that and a stronger conviction of it. Um, so, and I think that's the way we all grow mm-hmm. 
I think that's the way you go really in any of the Protestant churches or the Catholic church or the uh, Muslim church or anything else is you take what is taught and strive to live it. Right. And if it continues to fit in with what you hope to accomplish in, in your life, what you feel at peace with, um, then I think you're on the right track. And I think when that day of judgment comes, which is part of the Christian theology, that you'll be able to stand up and say, I did what I thought was right, and the Lord will understand that. And if there's a greater truth at that point in time, I think we'll be ready to, to receive it. So I don't see that, even though we might be taking it in a little bit different paths, if we're doing it honestly, right. that we'll all end up in the, the same place. But it's tough to be honest. It's tough to be honest with ourselves. It's tough to be honest with other people. Yeah. A lot of time we think of, we like to think of ourselves as honest, but then you stop and ask, okay, how honest are we really in the way we think, in the way we speak, and in the things that we we do? Yeah. I certainly fall short of it, and I believe in it 100%, and I fall short of those. Um, I think it's extremely difficult to even communicate honestly because there's so many different shades and variations in, in the way we speak and the way we present things. 100%. Generally, we like to present things to our benefit, even though yep. technically in a court of law they might be true, but we know we've misled the other person. Yeah, or we say things so the other person yeah. isn't offended. <laughs> well, and Which would true. be to our benefit. Yeah. I guess I go along well, the same lines. You know, I had I had several experiences, and I'll come back and and I think this is fundamental to everything, and that's the importance of integrity and being honest, totally being honest with yourself, being honest, you. being honest with with other people, and that's difficult to do. Mm-hmm. I first learned that in scouting, where a scout is trustworthy, and started to get an idea of hey, this is. This is more involved than what I thought. It's <laughs> just like church. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I learned at the academy we had the honor code. Yeah. And I will not lie, yeah. cheat, or steal. Yeah. And then another thing came in about nor tolerate those among us who do, yeah. which is kind of a military thing. When you've had a lot of structures that were between scouts and church and the military, mm-hmm. and I'd even say – and maybe this is way off base, just society 50 years that, you know, had a pretty, I mean, a really solid moral framework. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you you weren't lacking at that other way. But I want you to finish that a couple. Well, I'm just, saying, I, I'm just saying that uh, all of those things led to the point that, <clears throat> that um, I think that I could actually accept what we call as the restored gospel or the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that uh, I realize how challenging it is and how humility plays a part in growing as well as wanting to find the truth. Um, it's a lifelong thing. And Definitely. It's, it's challenging. It's um, heartbreaking sometimes. It's... But it's also fulfilling, and I think we're giving challenges along the way, 
that allow us to grow. And I think often those challenges that come are personally designed for us to get us through the next phase or the next stage of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had disappointments in my life. I've had losses in my life that uh, I didn't understand at sure. the time. Uh, some I'm still wondering about. Uh, but as we go along that path and if we're really striving to learn the truth, I think it eventually unfolds to us in different chapters. And if, if we're consistent, then we continue to grow. We can regress too. We can throw it all away. Right. So I think that's the, that's the challenge. But getting back to integrity, um, it is so important. I don't care whether you're talking about a existential point of view of the earth that you know you live and you die and that's it, to Catholic or LDS or Islamic or whatever. Uh, the importance of being honest, um, I guess, is is number one on my list. Because if you're not that, <laughs> you can't go get anywhere else. You can't. You can't do anything else. You can't right. have a relationship with anybody. You can't. Right. I can put up with uh, incompetence. <laughs> I can put up with with uh, selfishness. I can put up with a lot of different things. But I really have a hard time with somebody that's not honest, especially flagrantly not honest, like not yeah. willing to tell the truth. Well, we talked about this last week, too, is, um, you know, nowadays you see so many people's words getting picked apart, and I see this in, you know, just in all facets of life, but um, when people are talking, that their intent is really what you want to focus on, or what I want to focus on, as opposed to necessarily the words or, or the way mm-hmm. something said or um, because you, you, you can take a sentence and murder uh, it. <laughs> exactly. When it was meant the completely opposite way. Um, so I think you get really frustrated when you have good intent and it's not taken that way. Yeah, so is. I think to, to extend that courtesy to others is, is obviously um, uh, very fair, but. I I remember, and it always kind of tickled me, but in in the Academy Honor Code, it was the one exception to telling the truth was what they called tact. And that's if if your grandmother has said, do you really like my hat? And it was horrible. (laughs) You could say it looks very nice on you. (laughs) Well, and that's a whole other thing, too, is you can say a very mean thing in a very nice way. And vice versa. And very honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, there's maybe some gray area there. But as well, too, I, I've, I've thought about uh, they say whatever it is, I don't know, 70% of your communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much of our body mm-hmm. language is yeah, but, but I Or is that a different Well, no, I, th- I think there's some value in that, but I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to say that body language is everything because that's requiring an interpretation. Right. But I mean, so are words, though, too, right? Maybe well, more of one. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah. I, but, yeah. I think it's all together. But bo- both, you know, both work together. Yeah. 
I mean, I, you know, we've talked about this before, but I, <laughs> you know, the I, iPhone is not the greatest invention. The greatest invention will be when they can plant three lights on your forehead, the red, green, and yellow. And when you're telling the truth, it's green. And when you're stretching the truth, it's yellow. Yeah. And when you're lying, it's red. Uh, but if you think you're telling the truth, what what light is that? Well, <laughs> well, still, no, that well, it's still green, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> come up with pink or something. You, 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 you might be surprised how, how soon we have that. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm sure that's true. But when you stop and think about whether you're talking about problems in with people in relationships, whether it be husband <clears throat> and wife, mm-hmm. whether it be father and son, whether it be brother and sister. Whether it be friend and co-workers. friend, or coworkers, yeah. or neighbors, or whatever, a problem usually starts with dishonesty of some type. Yeah, and it builds and it it destroys. And I'm just saying that if if our purpose in striving is to be honest in all that we do, and I mean everything, not just verbal communication. Everything from paying taxes to, you know, uh, what you think of your grandmother's hat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are nice ways to to say even that. But um, I think to go along with that, uh, not being truthful, I think s- so much comes into play with misunderstanding. Like even honest misunderstanding. Well, like, and I, I think we're we're moving so fast is uh, you're kind of thinking with your brain, and you're assuming people are taking the same your, way. Yeah, and yeah. and and I understand it'd be great to get inside their brain, but you you can't you can't spend an hour trying to explain every sentence that you're having with yeah. each other to make sure you're on the same. That, page. That's why the lights save you a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> they they absolutely would. But I, I think maybe even more so in that respect. Uh, possibly. But I mean, to go back to truth, and I think, um, like I said, I'm not really active in the church right now. We've talked about this and um, (laughs) I feel like I want to know the truth. I I, I feel like I've always been that way, you know, been interested in the the philosophy. I mean, just the the thinking part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the, the greatest I don't want to say the greatest truth, but one of the more s- solid truths I found, which maybe not even be really a truth, is how little we know about everything. And and that's really hard to, once I start feeling that way, to come up with real concrete and 100% conviction on en- much of anything. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, and I, I, think, I think that's a... I think that's an honest yeah. which response. Will, which would lead me to almost like an agnostic point of view, which I understand looks like a, a fence sitter. But I feel like if if I'm being honest with myself and I really know next to nothing that I can't prove or disprove, that feels for me, and I know everyone's different, almost like uh, – the most honest position to be in because of my such <laughs> lack of knowledge. But it also uh, requires no effort. And and to some degree, no commitment, no risk, no, no faith. So the effort will come into 
trying it and then either showing that it does or doesn't. Okay. For, for instance, if let's just say Christianity is – is the truth all yeah. right? And I don't want to get into all the others because it's an endless thing. But no, that's it. but I mean, just that, I mean, like you mentioned, probably eighty percent. You'd, you'd agree on eighty percent of the stuff, regardless Christianity or anything, right? Be nice to people. You know, be um, nice to yourself. Yeah, but but then the right. question becomes: Yeah, I, I agree. There's that common ground, but yeah. then. Then is okay. So but I can get to that point logically. I can yeah. get to be nice to people logically. Yeah. So is is, is is there anything more than that? Because you can yeah. do that in an existential viewpoint. Yeah. Should there be anything more? To, well, I, I don't say it should, but in, in my ignorant mindset, I'm almost thinking: uh, Should we be focusing on anything else until we can be nice to each other? <laughs> I mean, oh. I feel like. I don't know. Is that fair? Well, I I think (laughs) – If we can't get the step one right, should we be moving to step 100? (laughs) I think it's it's limiting. Yeah. I mean it's definitely simplified. Yeah. Yeah. But it's limiting. And maybe maybe I feel comfort in the fact that it is simplified to a point where maybe I can wrap my head around it. Yeah. And and that's easier. And and there's not that much required by it. Compared to, compared to yeah. the, and 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 we'll stay with the LDS Church because you know it. Yeah. Okay. I think there's a well, – I think if you think of the premise that we existed before mm-hmm. and the premise that we came here because we wanted to. Right. And that we're to learn certain things here. Mm-hmm. So that we can continue to grow after this life. Yeah. If if that if that's a true format, then this lifetime is pretty important in how we spend our time and, sure. and and what we do. And if um, I only know one church that teaches that. Yeah. For the most part, and so. I think probably the most important thing is, if you've been exposed to it, is to say, is it true or not? If it's true, I mean, if it's really true, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty clear what we need to do. Yeah. Okay? If if it's not true, it's just a figment of Joseph Smith's imagination, mm-hmm. then, you know, we can write it off and continue to look for someplace else, sure. acknowledging that the basic principles that are taught are valid, mm-hmm. they're, they're good, but yeah. it doesn't require 24-7. <laughs> but, but it could. Well, it could, but yeah. that but, – I want to be a good person 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean what, – What's involved in, in being good and how do, how, do we, how do we grow and become a better parent? How do we grow and become a better neighbor? Well, you're constantly failing. Well, I know, but but I think this comes back to another point of mine is uh, I mean, a lot of the smartest people I know are uh, uh, very I don't know what you call it uh, faithful to the church. What's the right word for that? Faithful, yeah, uh, worthy. Uh, Worthy members of the church, and active I, members of the church. And I think that's significant because, hey, these people are 
super smart, some very close to me. And, um, you know, if they told me most, I'd, I w- I'd take it without question. I mean, obviously that, that that's a big take, but so I kind of does make me think, you know, <laughs> what am I not seeing that they're seeing? Because I feel like I do want to, um, have, you know, all the information in front of me. Um, well, I think – I don't think you're going to get all the information. I think you're going to get what you need yeah. to progress. I mean I, I, I have no idea. I mean, you know, Joseph Smith has talked several things about what life after death is and the three kingdoms and what they're going to be like and so on. Yeah. But even with that, we have really no idea. And what we're really to be focused on right now is, you know – the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that keeps me really busy. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> and hopefully I'm I'm growing in that process. Um, I think I am. Mm-hmm. Not as fast as I would like. Uh, but I see that that an interesting analogy that I've recently been intrigued with is, you know, you hear a lot of people in the church saying, I have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. That's the other, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to fake it. <laughs> well, but see, but see, here's the difference. See? Yeah. That's easy to fake because you just say, I have a testimony. Okay. What really needs to happen is you have to be converted to the gospel. And the conversion to the gospel means you're living it. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like, you know, we've talked about this as my favorite analogy from the military, (laughs) the difference between believing in something and— The parachute analogy? Yeah, the parachute analogy where you simply, you know, I can believe that this parachute's going to work. No cost, no expense, no effort. I, yeah, I believe it's going to work. Mm-hmm. To have faith in it, you got to stand in the door mm-hmm. and you got to jump out. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the faith. Believing in something strong enough to act on it, and then when you land safely on the ground, that uh, testimony or that belief became faith, and you jumped out and became knowledge when you landed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you have the knowledge. You know that that parachute worked <laughs> right. that, that time. Yeah. Now, see, I can say the same thing about a very simple law like tithing. Uh-huh. Okay, people, can, you can argue that ad infinitum different ways. Um, but I have a testimony of it, I have faith in it because I've done it for 52 years and I know what it brings for me. And I've certainly seen it in others as well. So to me, that's not a faith question anymore. That's Mm -hmm. a knowledge question. Right. Okay. And you can, I can take a lot of other principles Mm -hmm. that one of them is you know, being honest. Right. I, I've I've learned that that is a true principle. I don't sure. I I don't have to have faith in it anymore. Um, one of the places I have faith in is 
that I need to work on is the importance of genealogy. Right. I haven't done it. I mean, I've done portions of it, but I sure. haven't done what I need to do. And that's hopefully one of the, probably my biggest goal coming up this coming year is to get involved in that because I know some people that have done it that you cannot convince them that it's absolutely essential and bears fruit endlessly. Right. Even people I know here in in Michigan, in our own ward. Yeah. So it's it's me, not them. What are they saying? Just just the importance of getting to know your family, well, and your stories, hope you know well, yourself. Well, and, and how the Lord leads us to, to find out all these different things. Yeah. I mean, time and time again, you see things that are really unreal of what they've been able to, in their search, be able to do. And then... Uh, and I have a really strong testimony of temple work, but that you got to go there, and you, you got to make those covenants, and then you got to live those covenants, and then you gain a spiritual truth right. because you've exhibited a faith in a belief. If it weren't true, then you'd say, "Well, if that's not true," and Temple work is pretty fundamental in the church. Maybe I either I've fallen short in learning, or this isn't the right church. Right. Um, but that's to me that's the groundwork for anything. The same way with with Joseph Smith. I had a real problem, you know, at the beginning of that. I mean, not so much a problem, but just doubt because, you know, why would the Lord pick a 14-year-old boy <laughs> named Joe Smith? Come on. Jane Doe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> to He's not very creative. <laughs> to start his church. Yeah. And then and but look at it today what came from that 14-year-old who had who read who believed, who had faith, went to the, to the, uh, what's the word I want? The, um, the forest, mm-hmm. uh, and asked, and had that. I mean, he had the faith to do it. In his mind, it happened, and look what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Now, you can write him off as just, you know, a fluke, but again, by the fruits they shall be known. And when you stop and think about, you know, look at the people you know, look at those that you know that you said you, you know, respect and admire, you know, how did they, how did they get that way? Are they, are they faking it? Are they being misled? Are they? I don't believe there's any faking involved. It yeah. seems very genuine. So, but I think part of that, too, is you talk about Joseph Smith and, and you know, there's there's the stories and experiences with um, that scene maybe from the story of um, pretty, not automatic, but very quick uh, conversion because of these big experiences where mm-hmm. I think for mo- – and definitely for me, it, it's a very gradual – I mean, it's not something that snaps on. Well, and I off. think it is, and for, maybe that's no. I think it thing. is for most of us. Yeah. Um, you know, he <laughs> he can't pick 
six million people to start his church. <laughs> that's that's got to be the focal point, and that's yeah. the start. And when from that point, the rest of us build. Yeah, and um, it's just it's it's really pretty amazing when you stop and, and just to see the growth of the church in the f- fifty years that you know I've been a member. Sure, from you know. Six, you know, thirteen temples that dotted the earth to one hundred and seventy-five now, yeah. and that, you know, Anne Marie, from her son's, let's see, son, no, daughter's <laughs> bedroom window, she can see the new temple being, you know, yeah. groundwork being built from from there. So I, I, there are just so many, you know, special experiences that I've had that your mother had. That Karen and I have had, right? That for me, there's no turning around. Yeah, but it's like you're there. But the, uh, you know, I had ten children. Yeah, seven of them are active. Mm-hmm. Three of them aren't. <laughs> yeah, and and I understand that. Uh, I would love to be able to share whatever I needed to share, do whatever I needed to do to change that because I think that's where the fulfillment comes, that's where the peace comes, that's where the growth, spiritual growth comes. And unless the existentialist is right, the spiritual growth is probably much more important than the temporal growth. Right. The one thing I learned, <clears throat> a couple of things, and I, I shared this just yesterday with one of the families I ministered to. He's a pilot and he's inactive. He had a dad that was really kind of not fun. Not not fun, but he's a member of the church. Mm-hmm. So that, anyways, inactive. And he talked. He, we discussed a number of different things, but and I've, I'm sure I've shared this with with the, with your kids at different times. But I remember <coughs> when uh, when I was called to be stake president in Virginia, and Dallin H. Oaks was the apostle that came out and did that to me. He's now his first counselor, President Nelson. Mm-hmm. And I've always just said, partly because of that, but I've always liked him. I liked him before that. I mean, you know, he was a guy that, you know, was a lawyer, became a Supreme Court judge in the state of Illinois and did all these things and then was picked out by the Lord to go and the rest of his life is he's given to the, to the church. Well, and, th- and like I said, I don't know a lot about it, a lot of religions, but I think that's one thing that has to be respected and admired regardless is um, all of the, you know, the the head of the church, the 70, all, all those, and just people in the church, how much time they give to it, the the success they've had in the the, the business world, which kind of shows those. The church world. Yeah. Right, which kind of shows those. Um, those fundamentals, you know, cross over and work and are good. But really, my biggest thing, and I, I think this would be cool to see in government myself, <laughs> is no one's getting paid. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
Well, that was the, almost that, that, the way that, it was initially, but now they're all millionaires. Right, but and, I mean from the church, right? Oh, well, those. I that, mean, there aren't paid positions. Not there is on the employment side. Oh yeah, but that's like taking yeah. care of the building and yeah. stuff. But yeah. as far as you know, people are putting in twenty plus hours or whatever a week or a month. Well, the apostles and, are putting in twenty four hours. Yeah, a day. And, and I don't know another church like that. I'm sure there probably are. But I feel that if you have that many successful people and they're and they're putting in that much time and because of just a devout faith or pull to it, I think that says more than if, you know, I mean, you can't write that off if you're just trying to get another paycheck or something. That's that's extremely um, impressive. Come back and go to the temple and you'll understand Mm -hmm. why. Well, but anyway, yeah, getting back to yeah. – And to, then I apologize because I only got about a couple minutes. OK. Let me – Do that and then I got just two things. Okay. 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 The last thing was – anyway, when he came, uh, after the – after I was sustained. Dalian and he came, yep. yeah, he came. Uh, he sat down with your mother and me. Mm-hmm. And we sat down. I, I don't remember the exact time. But it was at least an hour and a half. And mm-hmm. we talked about a bunch of different things. Um, I shared um, that I was concerned because I'd just taken the job as facility manager. Right. And my bosses were the state uh, presidents around the area. Uh-huh. You know, I had five stakes, I think. And one of them was me. <laughs> uh, like a conflict of interest? And a conflict of interest <laughs> with the church. Take care of your building first. <laughs> uh, well, or, yeah, just whatever. Right. Just go on and get his feedback. Um, and I remember sharing that with him. I said, I'm, I'm really concerned because they've talked about, you know, conflict of interest is sure. a big thing in the church anyway. Mm-hmm. And he just, he just said, you know, Brother Nolan, the, the Lord wants you to be state president. Let the church worry about the rest. It was never a problem. Right. But I mean that that I mean he didn't even think about it. He just said that. Right. The other thing he said that really came out in talks later on, and I didn't understand. He talked about talked about the uh, the laborers that go work in the garden and those that start early in the morning get paid the same as those that start at four in the afternoon, <laughs> and. Uh, he said when he he always had a hard time reconciling that that doesn't seem fair. Yeah, <laughs> maybe some people like to work. <laughs> Probably not. But then he said he shared something, mm-hmm. and that really gave me insight to something I had never understood before. And he said, "Heavenly Father isn't interested in what you've done." Oh, man. <laughs> 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 Why have I been doing all this? Stuff? Why have I been working my tail off all these years? Yeah. He said, he's not interested in what you've done. He's interested in the person that you've become. Right. And that, I mean, it sounds so simple. I mean, you put it in a sentence. Mm-hmm. But when you really stop and think about that, it's got tremendous depth. Sure. And... Uh, that has been part of me since then, of that understanding, because it cleared up so many things. It cleared up forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody's truly repentant, they're no longer that person. How can you hate that person? They're no longer, they don't longer exist. Right. 
why waste time? You know, that allows you to, yeah. to forgive in, in a way that I never understood. It allows me with my shortcomings, you know, to know that there's, I'm pointed at least in the right direction. I'm trying to go there. It's yeah. not what I've accomplished. It's the person I'm becoming. If I'm st- really striving to become that person, regardless of whether I'm here, here, or there, meaning the Lord's over here, I'm working in the right direction. Yeah. And that was a tremendous insight, and I'll close with that. But uh, that's um, it was a very important time yeah. in, in my life. I learned a lot in that time, and and that was from an apostle of the Lord. Oh. Okay. Well, that is excellent, um, and that's what I love about kind of this format and the conversation side is. It goes in organic directions, and mm. I think that's – I think, one, you, you learn more, not only us two, but to the people listening as opposed to going – I mean, it's good to have stuff in case you hit dead air or whatnot, but <laughs> I think um, that tells us a ton about you, even though we didn't get into your childhood or um, the difference Rather in your boring. kids. <laughs> well – but that's the thing. I think it also shows there's a lot of information insight there. So, I mean, we, we can look at doing more, which, which I would yeah. love to do. We can do it anytime. Yeah. So we, we, we definitely need to do that. Um, a couple of things just at the end I was thinking of is not, not looking at the parenting side, but um, – and maybe I, I don't want to bring it up, but – yeah, we'll save that for next time. Okay. <laughs> but uh, Genevieve, uh, love you. And so that's your grandpa. And, uh, and yeah. your grandpa loves you too. <laughs> and you too, Katie. Uh, yes, thank you, Katie, for uh, letting us come out here and do this and being supportive. Um, and then, yeah. So, I mean, Genevieve, you're only five years old. And you probably wouldn't be listening to uh, – well, I'll, I'll play this one for you. I'd like to hear probably uh, grandpa's voice. But um, these conversations may not be appropriate for um, a five-year-old or may not be ready for it. But, you know, when you're um, 8, 9, 10, 11, I think what helps me is it kind of um, gets me thinking about stuff before we have conversations. And just to kind of jump back to the genealogy point, um, just, you know, one generation away is a lot of who you are as affected who I am, who affects who she is. And so just having this and kind of getting a feel for that because her listening to this, if she asked me about you, 90% of that's not coming out or coming out that way. It just has a completely different mm-hmm. uh, completely different feel. So, um, yeah, I look forward to doing more uh, with you if we, if we can plan that out. Obviously, sure. there's a, a million different things. I, I really um, – enjoyed today and i did too um that was fun um i think that's it so till next time um thanks everybody love you take care (laughs)